After a very challenging year and a half for home buyers, there's a glimmer of hope. Interest rates have more than doubled in the past year and a half. Sales are down for the first time in years, and that's leading to some openings for some buyers, maybe. J.T. Ramakrishnan covers housing and transportation issues for the Oregonian and Oregon Live, and she's here to help make sense of all of this. J.T., thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Jayathi, just how long has it been since home sales and prices went down at all in Portland? It's a little complicated, like everything. You know, there's not a not a simple answer. But year over year, prices this December were down. Uh, you know, so compared to last December, median home prices actually went down. Um, and we haven't seen that since uh, 2019. Hmm. January of 2019 was the last time, I think, that year over year prices dropped. Uh, and before that, we hadn't seen that since 2012. Wow. And so it is unusual to see prices actually going down. Uh, it's not like a huge drop or anything. I don't think home potential home buyers should be looking for Great Recession era prices yet. Uh, but it did offer a little bit of optimism for some people who've maybe been in the market for a long time and not finding a lot of success. Okay, so that makes sense that this is a muddy picture like it is it's you know across the economy right now. Um you went out and talked to people on all sides of the equation, people were trying to buy, um you know, brokers, everyone. Uh can you tell us about the De Young family and their situation? Yeah, so I spoke to a couple the De Youngs who are currently living in DC, but one of them is from here, from Portland. And so they're trying to move back here. And so earlier in 2022, they thought they were in a good spot. They had gotten pre-approved for mm -hmm. a loan. They found a house that they really liked. And then interest rates spiked and that kind of cut their buying power. And so they decided to wait and uh, they've continued to look. They have some family here who've kind of helped them by visiting uh, some prospective homes, checking them out. Uh, as you can imagine, it's probably hard to look for a home remotely. Exactly. And so they are just waiting it out right now. So they are still hoping to move back here and, uh, you know, maybe stay with family and continue their search. But yeah, that spike in interest rates really um, kind of changed their plans. So when you were talking to them, they kind of laid out how, you know, anytime you're trying to buy a house, there's, um, you know, trade-offs that you have to make, but they were finding that maybe they didn't have as much buying power as they did thanks to the interest rates. Right. Yeah. And, and as far as trade-offs, that's something I've heard a lot in the past few months talking to people, which is that, you know, either you have a perfect location and the, you know, something in the house has to give, or the house is exactly what you want, but it's maybe farther out than you were hoping to live or, mm -hmm. um, you know, not in the city that you, you want to be in. So yeah, it's it, for, for the amount of money that most people that I've talked to are looking to spend, something has to give. So how long are homes staying on the market in Portland? I know back, you know, in 2020, 2021, it seemed like they were just flying in a matter of days. Yeah. And that has, that's one of the things that has slowed down a little bit. So yeah, earlier in 2022, late 2021, people were putting offers on homes in droves. People would get, like sellers would get 
20 to 30 offers on a home. They would put right. a home on the market and in a weekend it'd be sold. And that's not happening as much anymore. Um, so you're seeing homes staying on the market for a, a couple of months. And that does offer buyers some a little bit more power uh, or opportunity to negotiate. And so what I'm hearing from brokers is that, you know, buyers may be able to say, okay, like, I want you to cover to the seller, I, I want you to cover closing costs, or, um, you know, they may be able to get a little bit more for their money. Uh, and sellers in turn are trying to do a little bit more to incentivize buyers, whereas several months ago, a year ago, they didn't have to do that because there were so many people putting in offers. Yeah. So what what kind of things can be done, I guess, to incentivize buyers? I guess you mentioned the closing cost piece, which can be a lot of money depending on uh, yeah. the value of the home. Yeah. Like I said, closing costs is a big one. And then repairs is another one. You know, like um, if there's something wrong with the home some, or something like that, the seller may be more inclined to fix that before the buyer moves in. Um, yeah, those are kind of the two big ones, I would say. Yeah. Because if you go back to the crazy frenetic times of uh, late 2021, early 2022, before the interest rates went up, basically, you know, a lot of people were having to buy homes as is, right? Yeah. I would say that it's it's been interesting, you know, like some some buyers are still looking to move right in and and maybe take what they can get. But yeah, there's a little bit more flexibility, I think, on buyer's side now. Okay. So um, what else are you hearing from brokers? I mean, obviously, they're not as busy as they were previously. So I imagine that's hurting their pocketbooks. I think they're still pretty busy. You know, the brokers that I talked to said that this is sort of a return. They they were optimistic. They said this is a um, sort of returning to a more balanced market after the craziness of the last couple of years. Um, and some indicated that this is a, a, a good thing, you know, it's sort of necessary. And so, yeah, what I've heard is that, like we, like we talked about, buyers have a little more power, but it's not something where, you know, it's flipped to being what you would call a buyer's market because sellers become buyers. And so when someone sells a home, they're in the market mm -hmm. too. And with interest rates the way they are, some sellers may decide, okay, I'm going to wait because they might lose their power you know, if they get back on the market and there might not be a lot of good options out there if everyone decides to re-enter the market at the same time. So it's sort of a, it's a little bit of a dance. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's still a challenging time out there. Yeah. And it's not the type of dancer where they're bumping Miley Cyrus or things of yeah, that nature. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so um, um, the, the other thing well, I, I would say, sorry to interrupt you. Um, mm -hmm. One one of the brokers I talked to also said on on the ter on the topic of pricing, you know, prices may not be plummeting like one might like a like a buyer might hope. Uh, right. But she predicted that there might be sort of a deceleration in in how much prices are going up. Whereas in the past couple of years, they were just you know, it was like this. It was just like skyrocketing every month. And she predicted kind of a slowdown in that. Okay. So, um, you know, we're obviously talking in late January at this point. This is not typically the hot time on the housing market. What are people thinking, uh, you know, of the, of the spring and summer? Is there a sense of this will carry on or kind of wait and see? What's, what's the feeling? 
Yeah, I mean, the housing market is so seasonal, but I spoke to an economist and he was like, it's really hard to predict. This is an unusually difficult market to forecast. And so whether this, you know, month to month decline that we've been seeing, um, you know, kind of incrementally prices have gone down a little bit, but it's not clear if that's going to become a longer term trend. We don't know at this point. So higher interest rates, obviously they affect or they affect all sectors of the economy. If you're trying to buy a car, you know, uh, if checking accounts, uh, to the extent that people have checking accounts with interest anymore, um, saving accounts, but how, what other effects can higher interest rates have, uh, in the housing market? Yeah. So of course, higher interest rates mean your mortgage payments are going to be a lot higher. And so a dip in medium, median home prices may not mean all that much. You mm-hmm. know, if interest rates are at 6% or something, that's, that's not necessarily good news for buyers. And the other thing, um, you know, speaking to this economist that I heard is that it could potentially slow down construction rates. So right now there's underproduction of housing. And so if people, you know, slow down on the buyer's side, developers may slow down as well because there's not as many, you know, people buying up. So uh, it remains to be seen, but that's another possibility. Okay. So there might be, you know, not as many options uh, on the market in terms of new construction in general because of the broader economic trends. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so you talked to other folks for your recent story. Uh, can you talk about the McAuliffe family? What, what's their story? Yeah, so I talked to a young woman, Haley McAuliffe, who was purchasing her first home, and she's about to close on it at the end of this month. And so the home, the seller was asking close to $400,000. Uh, she and her partner came in at an offer significantly lower than that, and it was accepted. And, you know, a few months ago, that wouldn't have happened. And it was on the market for about a month and a half. It was one of those homes where you can move in right away, a turnkey property. Uh, And what she told me is that she was kind of surprised. She didn't have a lot of competition. She was expecting Mm -hmm. kind of a lot more offers on that home. And and they their offer was accepted. And, yeah, that's something that, you know, you wouldn't have probably heard that story six months ago. Is that more of a factor given the price point of the house or kind of the larger market um, symptoms, I guess, when you talk to people about it? You know, the price point of that house was a bit lower than average. Uh, but I, I, it's hard to say. One of the other things she said was that, you know, we talked about this before, but there's some give and take and they didn't mm-hmm. get a lot of what they wanted, you know. Um, their priority was a, a big backyard and they got that, but she's, she admitted, you know, it's a, it's a tiny house. It's uh, there's not a lot of extra space. It wasn't mm-hmm. in their ideal location. So I think it might have to do more with those factors that it was um, you know, it was in their price range, but there's a lot that they, they had to compromise on to. Uh, what other economic factors may be at play for people who are trying to buy a home right now? Um, maybe first-time buyers too, in particular. Yeah. So for a lot of people, having some kind of outside support 
is a deciding factor. So for the McAuliffe's that I just mentioned, they got a um, a down payment grant from the Portland Housing Center. That's something that's available to people. You know, there's there's assistance out there, and that's really helpful for a lot of folks. Uh, other people get help from family, and that can be the deciding factor as well. I talked to another woman who had been putting money towards her down payment that it was early in the pandemic, uh, student loans went into forbearance. And so instead, she started putting that money that would have gone to student loans towards a down payment. But it still didn't become a reality that she could start looking for a home until her partner's family members decided to chip in. And you know, there's data out there that suggests that that's pretty common. Um, Having assistance from family or friends is really the deciding factor in whether a lot of people can buy a home or not. And the student loan issue, obviously, um, for years, there might have been people who uh, weren't making payments on their loan. Maybe maybe they were making a decision to try to build a little bit of a nest egg to the extent you can call it a nest egg to help buy a home during that market. Right. I would say that also, like, you know, we kind of touched on this, but this concept of generational wealth is a, is a big factor. Yeah. Um, one of the brokers I talked to, Javier Alomia, he does a lot of work with Hacienda CDC. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentioned that a lot of the people who get priced out of the area are people of color or low-income residents who would be first-time homebuyers, but with this market, it's just not a reality. Well, it's a really interesting look at the market right now. Um, what else are you tracking or have you reported on recently that you know I should have asked you about in this space that listeners might want to know about? Right now, I'm working on a story taking a closer look at Governor Kotek's housing plan, um, a plan to build 36,000 new units a year. Mm. Uh, so stay tuned for that sometime in the next week or so. And then, um, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a story about um, there's there's a lot going on with, you know, renters as well. And still, you know, as as challenging as it is to be a prospective buyer right now, um, renting is is a hot topic. So just this this month, um, the rent cap, the state rent cap went up to 14.6 percent. And that's a big concern for a lot of people. Um and yeah, there's a lot of uh, challenges that renters are facing. A story I wrote in December was about how uh, some landlords were refusing to accept state rental assistance. So even though tenants had the money, uh, landlords said no, and that led to evictions for quite a few people as well. So um, keeping an eye on those things. And uh, yeah, it's it's a tough time out there. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned the renters assistance program because you've been reporting on that for a long time. And it seems like maybe we're entering a new era where some of those pandemic related protections are not as robust as they used to be, or like you said, aren't being recognized, right? Pretty much. I mean, and actually pandemic era protections are gone. Like it's, there's still renter assistance out there, but, um, that, that story was looking at, um, tenants who had experienced that several months ago. So at this Got point, it. there's no more pandemic era renter protections. Uh, and it's, yeah, that adds another layer of, of challenges for renters too. So to put a finer point on it, that when you talk about the rent, the cap of 14%, explain that for people who might not be as aware. Yeah. So in, I think 2019, the Oregon 
legislature passed uh, a rent control law. So landlords can raise the rent up to a certain amount. And that's, uh, it's tied to inflation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so last year, I think it was 9.9%. This year, because of inflation, landlords can raise the rent on apartments older than 15 years. Okay. Um, It doesn't apply to newer units. So that's another challenge. But for apartments 15 years and older, landlords can raise the rent uh, up to 14.6%. And that's a huge problem. That's a a lot of money. Uh, And so there are several groups right now that are pushing um, for a limit to how much rent can be raised. Um, So there's going to, I think there's a bill coming in the legislature this year. Uh, but yeah, there's that. That's a. It, it stems from a, a rent control law, but when it's tied to inflation, that can get out of hand as well. Yeah, exactly. We were kind of in uncharted territory on that front, and um, you mentioned it doesn't apply to new construction. Mm-hmm. So translation meaning, if you live in an apartment built two or three years ago and you have a one year lease, when that lease is up, um, rents can go up however much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else, uh, would you want me to ask or should I have asked you? I appreciate you carving out of time on a Friday. I'm trying to think, I think that's, that's what I got for now. So I hope that's, that fills, fills enough time for you. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, we'll share some links in the episode notes for, uh, all of your coverage. Um, we didn't even talk about transportation that felt like that might be a little bit of a zag on this specific, uh, episode, but I can come um, back. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, lots we can talk about there. The interstate bridge project, um, you know, pedestrian fatalities you've reported on recently, all kinds of stuff. So thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tell a friend, uh, spread the word. I will share those links to JT's excellent reporting in the episode notes. And until next time.